to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Welcome, listener, to the Big Red Couch. Tonight on the couch, we have, over in the glimmering, shimmering fields... No, wait, it's the wrong end of the year, isn't it? All England is... Craig. And here in... Soggy old Auckland, which actually hasn't a drop of rain for a while. It's Ben. How are you doing, Craig? I, I'm doing well. Yes, there's there's not... Well, I mean, there's some shimmering on the fields, but only if you get up early and it's been a bit frosty. No, oh, nice. That's still probably um, very painterly. And if by fields, I mostly mean car park. <laughs> Less painterly, but... Cool. I mean, there, there is that whole accidental urban renaissance painting thing that, that, that was around for a while. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, I mean, we had snow just this week. Um, as, I, as I said to people, there was like 20 feet of snow between me and my workplace. In that I live about 20 feet away from my workplace and it was snowing. It was a, yeah, the coverage was... Non-existent. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the snow was... Well, I mean, it needs to be quite cold for snow to stick to, or there needs to be quite a lot of it for snow to stick to, like, the road or the pavement. But in this case, it wasn't even sticking to the foliage. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's basically just car roofs. <laughs> in the meanwhile, we, we currently have, like, cracks in, the, in the, the, the grass and the ground underneath that you could lose a small dog in. So, yeah, we could do with a little bit of precipitation ourselves down here. So, yeah, it'd be nice. Hmm. So, episode 138. We've been given, people have voted that we tackle a fascinating prompt, Flip the Mythos. Which always puts me in mind of the Fat Boy Slim number, Push the Tempo, but that re- like re-listening to that was no help whatsoever with this, mm-hmm. just not even a bit. I don't know if, if Fat Boy Slim is part of your personal pantheon, but fair enough, if that makes... That makes sense. <laughs> I like the video to weapon of choice. Everyone does, I think. I mean, that, that's yeah. fair. Like ascended dancing Christopher Walken. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, I have had that kind of hallucinatory episode in what I strongly suspect was an airport hotel. Hmm. Yep. Yep. It is a observation of our times, certainly. <laughs> mm. Cool. So I had an idea for this one. I don't know awesome. if it's a good one or not, but I did have an idea. It is not for us to judge whether our ideas are good or bad. It is, well, we do that anyway, but we can't do that until they're presented, so. Okay. And then if our ideas turn out to be rubbish, well, we've got some stuff for the previous episode, so in very much the style of, it's okay, kids, there'll be some really good cartoon t- toy ads on soon. Yes. You've heard of check kiting. This is content kiting. We basically troll our audience with our terrible ideas in the hope that in response they will give us at least half decent ideas to make up for it so we can do for the next episode it's this careful balance Mm. it's like a pyramid scheme with no actual money or profit involved or very many levels it just kind of funnels back into itself yeah funnel scheme funnel scheme would probably be very profitable if you could convince everyone to just dump their their life savings into a hole yeah. Oh I mean, no, this isn't the pyramid scheme. Ours is based on the funnel. <laughs> you know, that that rings. 
<laughs> awfully. That would <laughs> that <Yeah>. is almost. <laughs> Yeah, this is a terrible idea, and no sane person would purchase it or accept it as a gift. Indeed, indeed. Oh no, it's not a. It's not a pyramid. It's it's based on the model of an equilateral triangle. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Our, uh, that doesn't seem compelling somehow. <laughs> no, no. I think there's a reason so, why we are not Ponzi schemers in the financial structure of the world, because, well, we have souls and. Um, Terrible, terrible marketing ability. Indeed, indeed, that is that's prov- conclusively proven. Mm. All right. So, what was your um, as yet unevaluated idea? Offer not available in all states, etc. Okay, I had some trouble with this one initially because the whole idea of flip the mythos just put me in the mind of okay, so like, how do we literally change the perspective on? What I'm going to assume here is the Lovecraftian Cthulhu mythos. I had some trouble with it, but came up with something that I think will work. So, mm-hmm. we, we start with the premise that, actually, Lovecraft was correct. That the universe is this horrifying, terrible thing that will drive you mad if you perceive it. It is weirdly multidimensional. There are um, squares with eight corners. Uh, the whole... The whole nine yards, or possibly fifteen yards. Well, the, he was at least correct about this, the the long dead space gods, and less about the racism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's leave leave some of the so yeah. Let, let's leave a bunch of the crazy Uncle Howie bits at the door, as it were. But uh, concentrate well, on you, the. You've got to acknowledge that they're out there. He, he was. Oh yeah. He was an accomplished and um, extravagant racist, even for his time, and. Rehabilitating his contribution to culture needs to acknowledge that, or you are being a fantastic shithead. So, oh yeah, yay! Yes, crazy Howie, uh, crazy racist Howie. Yeah. So cool. Okay, but no, that's fine. That's fine. It's, while he was being weirdly racist, he was also beholding something to do with the many angle nature of um, reality, which, to be honest, was something people have been discussing for the past hundred years or more than that so there is there has been this this notion of the the quantum nature of reality that we do not perceive has been out there for a while Mm. um so yeah no no he was he had something going on so possibly many somethings oh yes (laughs) yes so all of his his charming personality traits aside he was correct about the nature of the things that are out there indeed he well he was correct yeah he's correct about the nature of the universe that the universe itself will probably drive you mad if you can actually uh, perceive it with your puny human brain that there are creatures out there that are so bizarre that simply to look upon them will drive you hopelessly insane and possibly kill you. And so what he was wrong about was the malevolent nature of the things out there. And so for this game pitch, you are in fact playing the, well, either make up your own mythos um, entity or... Pick one of the many, many ones from Lovecraft and derivative works. You are playing one of these creatures. Ageless, possibly timeless, kind of depends on how you, how you want to do it. Living in a universe that, if you don't, yeah, if you don't have the ability to perceive it in the right way, will basically just drive you completely mad. And so what you're used to is, is a universe where most of the species, well, any species that's a little bit cleverer than algae, that can't cope with the universe 
tends not to get above being a little bit cleverer than algae. So anything that you can have a conversation with is pretty much on board with how things work, more or less. And then somebody discovers that there is this weird little pocket of space with this world in it that, you know, the stars are just right, that they're actually in a very weird, boringly stable zone with like three and a bit dimensions maximum. And life has happened there and has grown up. And it's this, these, these bizarre species that should not possibly exist. They should have just gone mad instantly. But because their, their planet is in this weird little patch of space, they've developed sentience. They've developed language. This is brilliant. And then somebody looks a little bit ahead on the star chart and says, yeah, but look, look what they're heading into and the stars aren't quite as right anymore. That, yeah, that's, that's going to end badly for them. And so, you know, you are these very powerful entities. You can't actually go to the planet directly because like, people will literally die screaming. But you can help. And so you sort of find a few people with the right sort of brain. You sort of effectively give them the instructions of, okay, there's some bad stuff coming down the line in a millennia or so. Um, here's what you need to do. Here's kind of how to prepare. When things are right, do the rituals. We'll come and help you out. It'll be fine. Yeah, you're in terrible danger, but we've got it sorted. And so you you set this up. You've got your your um, your guys on the ground. The reports are coming back as as being yep, everything's according to plan. We we await your arrival. Everything's great. And then sort of as the as the deadline, as it were, is coming up, and you're starting to get a little bit interested in okay, so we, we're going to have to go and help these guys out. You know, the reports all look good. So, yeah, somebody sort of looks through and says. Yeah, I mean, have we noticed that all of these reports are, like, all the same? Like, identical. Even down to the spelling mistake in this one. Hmm. Maybe we should check. And so you send somebody to investigate, and they basically do the interdimensional equivalent of running into the office, slamming the door behind them, and saying, everything's fucked. Because it turns out that, yes, you left sort of specific sets of instructions, yeah, this is how you contact us, this is how it works, this is what's going to happen... But unfortunately, it basically got into the hands of a bunch of fanatical dickheads. And so what you've got instead of, you know, you've got people who've taken this situation that you've warned them about and instead twisted it into when the stars are right, the great old ones will destroy the world and remake it and we will be rewarded as their loyal, loyal servants and everybody else will perish. Mwahaha, we're evil. And so you've now got a situation where... You've only got a fairly short time period to work with. All of the various groups that you'd set up, like um, you know, the worshippers of Father Dagon, um, all of this lot that was supposed to kind of tweak the gene pool very slightly so that the humanity became the sort of creature that could survive what's coming, have instead become these weird, creepy little cults who are just fanatical lunatics. Because of their actions, the only people in the um in the world who you could possibly have dealt with who sort of have the necessary understanding are aware of these guys and so assume that anything connected with you is necessarily completely evil because of the actions of the aforementioned complete lunatics also the population is vastly bigger than you had expected now you're expecting okay we've got to deal with like a few million people and there's seven billion of them and you didn't know because the guys sending the reports had no idea that they were sending reports they're just mindlessly enacting rituals which is how the spelling mistake got in there 
Right. Okay, <laughs> so... <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. I made several notes during that. I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is that, that you, you, you initially you were crossing over with something, this whole benevolent... The, the idea that, that Earth is in the pocket of... It was like a, an equivalent of the fire in the deep. It's a, a part of space-time that certain rules don't apply. And, you know, <clears> in <throat> fire in the deep, it was, uh, you know, the, the presence of so much gravity and mass meant that just, you know, light speed and things and so forth were different and, and was it cognition couldn't didn't function yeah. in the same way so there was the closer you got to the center of the galaxy the dumber you got well, no, the 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 graph on which intellect was measured collapsed yeah. <laughs> so it was like yeah it didn't matter how smart you were that the you were you were in the wrong frame of reference basically <laughs> there's a lot of other things that were just very very badly strange and that reminded me a little bit of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the uh, the cricket warriors, the mm, idea yes. of, the, of, the, of the the plant isolated in a, in, a, in a dust cloud. So they had no idea what stars or anything other than their own local system was like, and they have their their, their struggles and conflicts and battles. Eventually, they 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 get off their planet, pierce the the, the cloud surrounding it, and look out the rest of the universe and think, well, that'll have to go. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that would be one reaction. The thing that you said about the the um, the great old ones or the people assigned this this pocket of space where Earth will eventually exit the sanity light cone or at least the the non psychedelic one and wind up somewhere entirely un, un they're unprepared for. That made me think of an anime called uh, Nyaruko Crawling with Love, which yeah. is a. <laughs> baffling anime harem comedy with allegedly Lovecraftian creatures in it, but they're all currently shaped like anime waifus. <laughs> and it is... Of course they are. Batshit insane, but pretty funny because, I mean, they, 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 they eat a lot of uh, takoyaki at a Cthulhu-themed <laughs> stall, things like that. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a, that's a thing. Was did the show Deep Space Waifu Academy actually exist, or was it just an example of the name of a show that somebody came up with? I don't know, and and honestly, At this point I'm, you're too scared to look. <laughs> I am way too scared to look. I mean, I got I got a little too much to watch anyway, so it's, I'll leave that for a second. Yeah, not that I'm aware, but it does it does sound like the Witch Planet Soccer prompt. So it's a little of, bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The idea, it's, I found it interesting, the idea that, that you know, the, the great filters for sentience or so forth, these various levels of things that, you know, not destroying yourself at the instant you find nuclear fission or something like that. It's one of those those choices that every species gets to collectively make. But the idea that space is actually not just, you know, hard vacuum and radiation and gigantic distances, but also the interesting thing is there probably there is something that short circuits that is that something evolving in regular space-time perceives things using the fundamental laws of regular space-time consequently going into something that isn't regular space-time is going to be a shock at, at, at very least so oh, yeah my guess. so nominally being in the same chunk of the, the the stretch of existence that you're in you're evolved for and unless something catastrophic happens you're you're doing the best you can so the idea that this changes on such a such a, a radical level 
is fairly intriguing. I mean, and it's also, you know, it's probably things about scale. The universe probably looks very different, plus you'd need different sets of senses to see it at the mm. subatomic scale and so forth, if that was where you were hanging out. And things would work quite a bit different. And the idea of sentience and life is like a totally different thing. Also see much bigger. So mm. it's a, so there's a lot going on there. But yeah, the notion that you are the branch office of Great Old Ones, Inc., it sounds like a sort of a, a non-profit organization for, you know, for saving endangered planets and, and, and interesting species. And you discover that you've been sending the standard, the standard packet of information. And this also re- reminded me of the long-term nuclear waste warning messages things that have been floating around on Twitter recently. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. This is not a place of honor. No highly esteemed deed is commemorated here. Nothing is valued here. <laughs> it's sort of these... The, these, 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 effectively the the a you know being a multi-dimensional thing made mostly of the color blue or something like that. It's hard to get a dialogue going, <laughs> so you're going all right. We'll tr- we're, we're, we will we'll send them the 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 the, or- the orientation packet for um, becoming a sentient species and surviving the um, omniverse brainstorm that's yeah. going to happen. Yes. So your planet's moved into non-Euclidean space. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, you get this stuff back. It's like, it's like, okay, we're getting this stuff. He's, huh. Some, the, the intern says, has anyone noticed the handwriting is all the same? And and the, the rest of the, the celestial vortexes, vortices turn and go, what are hands? Mm. <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking, that's an interesting idea. I, I wasn't thinking of it um, as much from the point of view of the, yeah, this is a thing that happens a lot. I hmm. though that that is intriguing. I'd kind of like to uh, like the idea of this is the first time this has happened. Like these guys, yeah, or, yeah. One of the only times this has happened. These guys are really interesting. Unlike those really creepy body hopping mushroom guys who keep cropping up. <laughs> yeah, those guys <laughs> it's like dicks. oh, they got wiped out by a supernova. And they're, it's ten million years later, and they're here again. What will actually kill these guys? Come on. <laughs> Um, but for the most really smug about it too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> smug, but also really creepy to talk to. Um, Buzzy friends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you're, you're talking to them, but you kind of get the idea that they're basically just eyeing you up to nick your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, Craig. Let's not be space racist as well. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. The um, the the, the great ra- was it the great race of Yif? I thought it was the Migo. Uh, the great race of they're the body swapping guys. The Migo are the fungus. So oh, okay. <laughs> I could have okay. In that case, I have I I have gotten confused, and I did wow. not mean to in any way. Um, I, I I expect we all look the same to you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I I got confused. Um, I I confused my Migo with my Great Race of Yith. I did, of course, mean the Great Race of Yith. So that should have been something along the lines of those really creepy cone-shaped body uh, body hopping guys. Indeed, the ones who just turn up and it. nick your entire civilization. <laughs> Come on, that's 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 a horrendous generalization. You're going to non-apologize your way out of that. Um, anyway. <laughs> 
I feel like it's just a valid historical record at this point for the, the Grand uh, How are we even know. having this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you think I'm being non-Euclidianly racist here? You're, you're perilously close to being cancelled. Um, <clears throat> anywho. Yeah, no, they are jerks. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an emissary from the great race of Yef. Oh, those assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even have... Don't care, they're still ass. Anyway... <laughs> Anywho, so so it might be a significantly less formal, official, or um, tightly run organization. Fair enough. Yeah, I do like the idea of the the the, the somewhat budget constrained NGO vibe, all the way down to the a bunch of people who got together to save the sea turtles. They're like a like a very local wildlife preservation kind of thing, some sort of bird watchers or something. Pretty they're, much, they're, they're trying to stop a. The, the equivalent of a well, they know that there the, there is a swamp that will be there's a swamp that will be drained, but they want to make sure that the inhabitants are uh, prepared or preserved adequately. Mm. So, right. So, how the hell is this a game, Craig? <laughs> it's well, a funny to be idea. Honest, that's where to, that, that, yeah, to be honest, that's the bit where the whole thing falls down. I think. I mean, to make it a game, you would have to just place tongue firmly in cheek. I can see a couple of options. Either the either the thing that's coming is a little way off, like it's still a couple of centuries off, and you could sort of modify something like microscope to have the okay, so we're we're gonna go in and we're going to steer things back on course. How did that go? Oh sweet Jesus. Uh, sort of option one. Yeah, it's like this will be fine, this will be fine. They've invented dynamite. For fuck's sake! <laughs> yeah, we are trying to help. If, on the other hand, the the game is, you know, the, the threat that's coming is only a few years away, you expected everything to be fine. You expected at this point mm. everybody to be this mixture of humanity and fishmen or humanity and stellar octopus, etc. You didn't actually expect there to be seven billion unmodified humans to deal with. Or at least there, there being some cultural reference point, not these weirdos in a swamp in Louisiana. Are the only people who know what's coming, and that, and yeah, and they're completely insane and evil. Well, by local norms, sure, um, <laughs> but they, the, the either they've they've held this information to themselves deliberately to retain power, or they have been completely unable to communicate the the what the benefits or the the, the outcomes are going to be to anyone else so one way or the other no one is prepared they everyone thinks like yes we are the masters of this this world we understand physics and everything we are we are ready for it and the mind shattering revelation when you know the the curtain is parted and it's like spaces all colors including ones that we can't see or understand <laughs> except now we can and it's horrible Yes, it, it's it's jarring to say the least. So, <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually thinking, Nyaruko is the way to go. It's just this desperate last ditch attempt to package yourself in, like meat sleeves, and go and do shit because time is running out. Certainly on the the epoch scales of what they're they're used to dealing with, it's like oh this is this is way too late. We have to do something now. Or everything is going to go pear shaped. We need to deal with this. One of the one of the things about the that particular series is the the interest and 
one of the reasons that Earth was still isolated was the fact that particularly Japanese pop culture, but human culture in general, was considered extremely innovative and interesting by the rest of the cosmos. They don't want to, so they don't want to, they don't want to muck with it too much. So they're just, they're being very, they're trying not to lose this cultural resource that is being provided pretty much for free as far as they're concerned. But they're trying to control the, the, basically the, the trade, the trade of ideas between the two places. So someone's clearly making bank out of this. It's hard to say who, but they, they don't quite go into the, the economic ramifications of the whole thing. But I think it's like with the star defense force or something that these baffling characters technically work for, but not, though not very, uh, well. Other, they're basically the keeping keeping these two worlds separate. So, the idea that's like, oh shit, we have to do something, and turning up on Earth in hastily assembled guys, <laughs> yeah, and trying to help is yeah. It's like the, I mean, they they could precipitate the, I mean, it, it could be indistinguishable from you know from humanity's perspective from World War Cthulhu because you know, there might not. To just again, it's like it's a matter of perspective. It's like, oh my goodness, why do we have a an idol pop singer with tentacles or something like that? It's like there, this this is all very unusual. So you I like that. It, it does seem like a for a as you say for a farcically high energy game. You could have yes, the the visitors trying desperately to do sort of cultural outreach, but mm, with yeah, many limbs. I am liking that because, I mean, effectively, you've got things stacked against you in that if the people were prepared, it would probably be reasonably easy to, as it were, welcome, welcome them into the universal um, non-Euclidean community. But because they haven't been properly prepared, there's a lot of options that are taken off the table. So, and yeah, the the idea that you're sort of turning up in your constructed or possibly just borrowed meat suits <laughs> does that mean you've got all these idiot worshippers you may as well use them um it's not like they're good for anything at the moment <laughs> i mean some of them are sufficiently inbred that they're growing tentacles all by themselves <laughs> that ain't right and no, no, the, the more hilarious thing would be all right we, we have instantiated our forms on this place it, it's going to reduce our effectiveness somewhat, but at least we have our, our, our vast intellects and our minds. It's fine. And they discover they're being persecuted by their their previous contacts for being heretics. Yep. That would be, that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. There would be a level of farce involved, because mm. there's no other way. <laughs> I don't know. It could be. The games that involve playing otherworldly, be- otherworldly beings, like things like The Whispering Vault or... Enomine or yeah, things of that sort. Tricky, but the idea of packaging that up as being less serious could be interesting. I think I yeah, if I was doing it, I would want to go with a less serious approach, just because uh, I mean, it's effectively the this is the possibly futile battle to save the entire planet from a doom it doesn't even know is coming and can't understand when it does. Yes, the odds are stacked against you. Well, that's that's fairly typical for your your crisis-based RPGs, that's fine. Mm. And because of the actions of your followers, your deluded, idiotic followers, those few people who might actually believe you think you're the bad guy. Well, yes. The I think the, the principle there is that there was a lot of assumptions made. They, they 
they they did the visitations and the the, for the projections and they they spoke in the many tongues and so forth and they didn't really check if people had been taking down the notes carefully or really get the feedback that they needed it probably mm. would have been fine but they were just too they were a small organization they weren't able to fully vet the 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 the, 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 pro, the stuff they were getting back so it's not so much they could have they could have righted the situation if they had and you know it's entirely questionable if this is if this is ethical in the first place because you're going well this is going to happen we might as well warp the species um, interaction with reality I mean best of intentions possibly still may not be ethical but the fact mm. that they didn't quite get around to checking if it was working kind of on them so that's why they're now desperately yeah. trying to fix it <laughs> because they feel like massive jerks hmm. yes they didn't take into account just how warped a message can get over a few hundred generations of a relatively short-lived species. Hmm. Indeed. Especially if you, you don't touch base occasionally and, you know, all you do is kind of warble down the, the equivalent of a, um, the cosmic equivalent of a two cans and a piece of string telephone. Indeed. Yeah. The reports that they're getting back are fine and nobody actually noticed that it was just the same report over and over again because it had just become this weird magical ritual. Possibly yep. with a spelling mistake. Honestly, this is lining up quite a lot with something, things that have to work recently. You've got to attach the form. What does the form do? It gets attached. What does it mean? It means the form is attached. Okay. <laughs> what will that change? It means people have followed the process. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cargo cult change control. Yay. <laughs> uh. So, yes, th- th- that was that was my idea. That... <laughs> I like the idea that you, you take, you effectively have two character sheets. One, one, one are like your gold box D and D immortals, ultimate cosmic power squiggle. You know your 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 character your character sheet is a terrifying squiggle, and but your actual thing you're playing off is yeah the character sheet should at least be half, the other character sheet should at least be half the size and very prosaic and dull because you've been you've squashed your multi dimensional magnificence into human shape and now it's like oh oh no yeah. you are doing the equivalent of operating one of those puppets that you kind of stick your hand in and your fingers are its legs and you're attempting to save the world with it pretty much pretty much and that could be uh, that could be amusing in its own right mm. yeah yeah okay i can see they're going and i mean it, it, if it turned into a trashy harem anime there you go I wasn't aware that that was on the cards, but okay. I'm a little bit scared to ask what a harem anime is. I've heard the term before, but I've never heard oh it defined. Oh my god. goodness. Oh. <laughs> the anime I am currently watching is Restaurant to Another World. Oh yeah. Which that is was... an anime I have never yeah. seen a more loving description of cooking a minced pork cutlet in, my, in, in, in animated form in my life. Oh yeah, sorry. Oh my sweet summer child, <laughs> that you may have noted in if you've if you've seen any anime, there is a trope where the protagonist has multiple female secondary characters who are interested in him, but he cannot choose because of some massive character flaw of his own or some exigency of the the plot or of the universe. Weirdly, I have never actually run into that in any of the anime I have watched. I'm not sure how, but I have never actually run into that trope. It's possible you're not just seeing it, because this is... Um, 
it's possible. <laughs> this this is the like the cytosine of anime. This is not <laughs> there there. You can you can make things without it, but it just doesn't usually happen. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking sort of like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. That's that's less the, the your um your shonen anime doesn't concentrate on that nearly as much. So not that shonen shoujo is a is a very is more like a marketing thing. But yeah, your your shonen battle best fist boy kind of stuff doesn't have that so much more. Anything that's more slice of life romantic comedy. Ah, which I would tend not to be watching anyway, so that might yeah explain it. I'm just thinking, thinking of the stuff I've watched a bunch of, and it's it's you know things like the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumaya, or oh, that actually that is actually an inversion of it because there is no not so much romantic attachment, and but there's all these weird young ladies hanging around the nominal protagonist. And, yeah, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a, a thing that that's alongside it. Yeah, okay. I, I will I will have to assign you some some homework, and we will rejoin. So don't worry, brave listeners, we will we will get Craig up to speed. I'm sure the uh, the the you know, the several hundred episodes of Ranma One Half or something will 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 straighten them out. No, <laughs> no. Just like no. the terrible alien entities, I, I feel a, that it, I, it's my duty to make sure that your eyes are open to the horrifying non-Euclidean universe of Araman. <laughs> Is Girls and Panzer in any way a Haraman anime? Sadly, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I don't uh, think ah! so. I'm... I'm Unless the tank is the protagonist, maybe? But no, not really. No. <laughs> That's more of the, the love of armoured combined arms combat is more the uh, was would be the protagonist in that case. It's a wholesome show. Anyway. <laughs> Bleak. I'm just basically at this point listing shows I've actually watched. Yeah, so yeah. Bleach, Log Horizon. Um, uh, that was... Ghost in the Shell standalone. No, complex. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Yeah, it's, I think it's... I've just I've just managed to completely miss this trope. Soul Eater. Yeah, they're less they're less um, typical of that particular. Anywho, anywho, we will we will fix that one um, in post. I am sure. <laughs> I don't want to be fixed in post. <laughs> <laughs> anywho, anywho. So that was that that went uncomfortable places for Craig at least. So it really did. One of the things that I was thinking of is that, and I think we've, we've got that largely out of our system, which is good because one of the things that I, I was sounds aware like you of need to get something out of your system was that mythos does not mean Cthulhu. It's come to that. So, so any story about gods, basically, any sort of pantheon can have a mythos and so forth. So, at least that's the way I, I've, I've been reading it, and the idea that you know that any pantheon and just actually, just before we leave the Cthulhu thing, fate of Cthulhu, the idea that you are going back for this entire game about going back from when the stars are right, using the Elder One's um, brain-breaking science against them, and going back to to make the stars wrong again. That was the other thing I thought of. It was like fixing, overturning the mythos and so forth it has already been quite comprehensively covered. I think it's that's uh, that's. Between that and Delta Green, I think we're we, we're probably good for a little while until someone comes up with a new angle. So that, yep, that's good. Yep. What I was thinking of is that sometimes 
pantheons get subverted, changed, or transported wholesale, e.g., like from the Greek pantheon of gods, just basically hijacked wholesale by the Romans. Paint the bottom of it, gives some new names. Jobs are good. It's like, whoa. <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh no, we totally have already have a god who's just like that. His name's Jay. It's like Jupiter. Yeah. To the extent, you know, people get these things muddled. Yeah, everyone gets a Hercules, but yeah, Hercules. Was I thought that was an interesting notion, but the idea. I sort of come back to the idea of an emporium for gently used deities. The idea of a world <laughs> like, say, the, the, the Centauri Empire. There's that bit where Londo is sprawled on a, or about to sprawl himself unconscious on a, a, a banquet table, explaining how they've got big gods, little gods, and gods of the hearth, and, and, and so forth, and explaining how they, you know, their, their thing is that they have, they, they are polytheistic to the extreme. Everything gets a god. And, the idea that you have a, like, an, a, similar to the small gods idea from Terry Pratchett, the idea that you've got this world so saturated in faith that's kind of sloshing around, but, so gods come and go, there is a a finite amount of attention, and possibly the, the, the purpose or the, 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 the function for the gods isn't, isn't constant, because, you know, society evolves and things change. So... The idea of, say, the, a, a cart full of, of figurines being pulled across the countryside by the, the last weary worshippers of a bunch of, of this pantheon of gods looking for a purpose, looking for a function or a place to set up shop and do their thing, I thought was quite interesting. Or possibly not quite the shop needful things, but like a, a, a place where you could kind of warehouse your old deities until you can find a... Find a use for them again? Yeah, well, find a way, like, like, say, it's a thrift store for distressed gentle gods. Okay. I wondered if you were going with the, sort of, the whole thing of sort of house flipping. Yes, um, a little, a little. No, yeah. Not quite, not quite. The, the idea of them being turned over for a new useful life is part of it, but less of the predatory um, exploitation of a current um, economic trend. <laughs> okay. No, no, tell us what you really think. <laughs> oh, you do not want that. Yeah, you you've already had the the the, the harem anime thing. <laughs> That's true. Do not tell me what you really think <laughs> under any circumstances. Yike. Um, okay. I do quite like the image of the the cart of figurines pulled by a worshipper or possibly a small group of worshippers of mm. different faiths attempting to find a place any place where one of their gods could 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 find a home be mm. a little bit refurbished. Yes. Yes, I, I am sort of imagining it as a strange sales uh, sales thing of. Yeah. Okay, so you're 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 you know, you're a shepherd. You're out here in this this area. You've got this this stream. I mean, there's there's this god here who had a bit of a thing about. You know, he was a, he was a god of wine, but. You could probably turn his hand towards protecting a stream if you're interested. Hmm. Yeah, we could try installing him and see how it goes. Yeah, maybe and maybe if they're looking for a new... Yes, they're looking for something like a new settlement or a new... Or even a new sort of application of technology or something. And it's very normal to have 
you say, like a patron deity of a printing press or something, if that, if that was to come along, that would be an appropriate place. You just need to... And there's, there's possibly... It's probably not impossible to just whack some clay together and stick them, out, stick them out the front and they would become a deity, but it would take a long time. It'd have to be very... It would be a bit haphazard. But if you could find one that was about poetry, that was a, a, a god of poetry, and it would no doubt shape the way that the operation is perceived or even the, the entire technology going forward from that point. But it would be better than starting off with, you know, the god of movable type and hoping that that went that didn't turn into like tabloid newspapers mm. I'm, I, I'm 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 thinking it i'm and i'm liking the idea of sort of but well, we could go with the god of you know actually people i don't know i'm like the idea of people sort of sitting sitting and sort of debating different gods of like well is the god of god of poetry thing like that might get too flowery for the printing press like mm. could we do like a joint pantheon is there anybody who could kind of restrain sort of drag the god of poetry back from from massive epics and into this is what happened today mm. um mm. Is, is there some sort of balance we can find here oh, yeah, yeah. Mm, i don't know might might be losing out to the god of proper punctuation yeah, true. Mm. <laughs> yeah. or have the two of them have the two of them as a uh, a dyad of of uh, balanced forces yeah so, so we've got the god of poetry and we've Got the god of unflinching honesty, even <laughs> unflinching honesty, even when it's really inconvenient and not at all welcome. That could work. I mean, they'd get on each other's nerves, but in the right way. Yeah, no. And the <laughs> idea of that being a, I don't, I'm not quite sure of the a, a media equivalent, but the format would not quite be. I'm trying to think of something. The thing that springs to mind is the Littlest Hobo, but the idea of okay. the idea that you know this cart of distressed elderly deities or something being hauled across the countryside looking for a way to solve local problems it would literally be a, a problem of the week kind of thing and you would try and fit you would try and resolve the issue by placing you know effectively it's a it's a mobile job center for for, for deities for, for making a placement for one of these things and each episode would be presumably it'd be one of the more would be one of the more um, epic things. We wouldn't we wouldn't show every single town where everyone was you know booked up and nothing was nothing nothing was needed. But mm. there would be the momentous occasions where sometimes you know that they're sometimes they're they're dropping off, sometimes they're picking up. Even so, maybe there is a a, just, a, a deity that that is no longer has a purpose, so that wants to be moved around. Yeah. So the idea of this, yeah, it's an interesting one. Make, mechanically making it a. Yes, a travelling god placement agency. I would be... Sorry, go ahead. I keep thinking of Rent-A-Ghost, but it's not quite the same thing. <laughs> no. I... I was thinking you could borrow a trick from Dogs in the Vineyard. Mm. Not so much the, these are the, 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 the legal and moral arbiters sort of thing. No, but the, the going to a place and determining what the problem is. Yeah. And trying to work what work out how they can help solve the problem. Mm. And what the problem is isn't a hundred percent isn't always visible. So sort of going back to the well, you've got this stream that's going um yeah, going back to the stream example, if you've got a town that is on the verge of breaking apart because of argument over water usage, hmm. then yeah, maybe a god of the stream to yeah. as it were keep people in their lanes, um, <laughs> or give is, them a, is, a common point of 
of reference outside of themselves to say, what would mm. the God of the Stream think about this? Right, even <laughs> if, you know, the God of the Stream was basically a piece of pottery sat there. Mm. As long as they, they rather than, rather than just thinking of themselves, thinking of the, the future and how the, how the stream will be affected of, you know, of what, about what they're doing. So it does give them an external point of reference for that. I like this. This has got some links to it. That's, hmm. that's quite fun. I mean, presumably at some point you have got the players effectively pulling the, well, we've got this god out of their ass. Because I would not want to see this as a, well, what have we got in the inventory? Let's consult the Excel spreadsheet sort of game. I think that would... Hmm. Um, to a degree, I think that, I think that, that that's resolved by the fact that these are the significant... These are the voyages of the, um, the starship Cartload of Gods. Hmm. They don't show you every boring asteroid or scientific survey that they do. You, they show you the, the climactic, important, impactful stuff. So... There is a reason they're there, functionally, because that's why the story is there. So you play that narratively. You say, all right, this this this, this town has, like you say, there's a problem with the, the dispute over the water supply. So we happen to have gods of wine or gods of not beating up your neighbor or something like that. Mm. that so there's clearly, there's clearly an opportunity there, but it's how you solve the problem. It's not... It's, well, it's how you progress towards solving the problem, not specifically tab A slot B stuff. Yeah. That might be obvious. That might be super obvious, but maybe people don't want somebody to roll up and say, oh, got a god for that. Oh, we go. <laughs> there is mm. more to the process than that, which I think will be the interesting play to find out kind of thing. Yeah, because you've got yeah, you've got sort of an interesting dynamic where, at least ideally, I mean, the, the goal of the player characters is to find a home for a wayward god. Mm. The goal of the people engaged in the scenario, uh, the, the NPCs, is not actually to find themselves a god. It's to either solve the problem or possibly to find themselves forced into accepting a solution to the problem. Yeah. So you've got, you've got the, the exciting possibility of people working completely at cross purposes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. That's... Hmm. And to a degree... That's quite that... fun. The the pantheon this this ad hoc pantheon would be would be characters on their own right. I think they would have opinions, limited mobility and so forth, but they would have mm. theories about this. So it would actually be even more interesting to kind of actually separate them. That this is not a this is not a world where normally you get visions and you see things and so forth. There's no there's no there's less direct communication. But stuff can happen. The little little auguries and little little signs might be might be pulled out but the the gods are you know the, the gods realize that while they might have differences of opinion or approach they're in the same bucket and they want a the cart to keep moving forward and, and making sh- and being good at what they're doing but b you know they also want to be one of the lucky they want to be one of the ooh, it's not quite an um animal shelter equivalent but kind of they want mm. the, the, the it to keep going so that they may be uh they may we'll be find their forever home yeah, 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 and I mean the 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 uh, I mean the the ultimate badass conclusion would be to find a place which is currently bereft of guidance and and the the influence of the gods that just happens to with you know the right the right you know the right work and intention and so forth actually mean that the the, the cart except maybe for the one or the one last the one last um, one 
is basically stopped and the, the, this journey finishes for the majority of the, this little pantheon they actually become their own little, they become their own little settlement and they you know mm. if they've, they've they've pulled it together which would be an interesting arc to develop because the idea that the characters in the um, characters in the pantheon and characters pulling the cart have you know relationships and so forth in various ways but some of them may fall out and fall in. It'd be interesting kind of troop play kind of challenge. Interesting mm. sort of animistic. Yeah. I really... There's something in the back of my mind reminding me of something, but I cannot recall what it is. There's what, what, a lot of something's in there that's not much for me to go on, but... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> a, a property which is has this kind of wandering characters enters characters leave there is a progression but it's kind of open-ended kind of feeling i can't think of it it's probably something really silly i mean you could argue that there was a bunch of the setup to the tv show quantum leap there were no gods involved but character enters character fixes things character leaves is certainly a part of it yeah but you were seeing the one the one character and his buddy and everyone else everywhere the setting changing time actually strictly hilariously if you stretch out the timeline the show supernatural was kind of like that because mm. you had the brothers and there were a couple of hangers on though a lot of them got murdered and usually if they were female yeah yeah they, 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 the show had a bit of a fridgy problem but they had uh, they i had, believe it still does <laughs> it's still existing so well, i, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine like, they've changed a winning formula i could be wrong yeah 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 those, those boys, they were the cause of their own problems. They didn't need motivation for the killing of, of other people. But they did have circumstances where people... I mean, they, they were involved with pseudo-deities and so forth and divine infernal creatures. But, okay, fundamentally, the the, um, the Winchester boys were the cart, but... Mm. <laughs> it's kind of... It's kind of if you, if it's, it, it would be more compressed, but the idea that, you know, they were going from place to place to place, to picking up Occasionally picking up people, occasionally dropping off people, normally in fridges. Uh, and, but it kind of, it has sort of, not quite the feel of that, because there was a whole lot of other things going on, but the idea of the this caravan of mm. small-time gods being deposited here and there, and the odd one being picked up, and the odd, the odd um, custodian being collected or removed. And there might be the, that might, I mean... The, the idea of having this thing that's that's always reconfiguring very slightly, it's, I think it's challenging, but could be quite interesting. The idea that you have, like, the apocalypse world idea of pulling in new characters or playing more than one character, depending on the circumstance, mm. could be interesting. That one will take a bit of effort, I suspect, to to break out. But, yeah. yeah, probably worth the effort. I mean, I do like the idea of the the conclusion of the game being this this settlement that is set up with its own very weird pantheon of gods and sort of this one god who nobody's really sure what they started out as, but now they're pretty much the god of traveling merchants. Mm, mm. Or possibly just the god of travelers um, uh, heading off into the distance. It might not just be that they, they arrive and fix everything with their cartload of gods. It might be by the time that they're done. They are a community, and this is a nice-looking bay. Nice, we're mm. here, done. And that might be the that might be the resolution, which will be you know you know it could be a could be a a nice thematic resolution to that. And this this idea has less waifus than your one, so it's clearly superior. You heard you heard it, people. 
Uh, sorry. Although it's a, a, a terrible gaming tale, the um, first session I was running of our Blades in the Dark game, I had um, we had a, a new player coming in. He's a cutter, you know, he's a fighter in this game. He's to be a, uh, quite an elegant swordsman, very classy kind of guy. The the crew decided they want to have a tournament at the fighting pit they'd just stolen. Very classy crowd. How, how do you steal a f- fighting? Uh, drunkenly and sort of by accident, it happens. <laughs> they accidentally stole real estate. They're a very random bunch of people. I'm, I'm impressed. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So they, they wanted they wanted to stamp their mark on it, you know, and big it up a bit. Like so sort of help. I accidentally built a bookcase. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things wrong with that sentence. Um, yeah. Anywho, um, so they they set up a they they, they set up a, a tournament, and I only had a couple rounds trying to speed through this and do it as blades and darky as possible. But I had the the person who they were going there, this the, the the PC will be fa- fighting off against to basically be their dark mirror. So I made a tryhard knife guy instead of a elegant swordsman. And as the guy was the, the the PC was very gracious and did not humble his opponents. Guy who I accidentally named Victor by having him being the victor of the last fight was a total total asshole and made sure that he was you know, just the most dislikable person you know who's like he was making the, the his opponents beg for their lives and being a, being a, a fuck about it and i just just kept on sort of like adding little details as i like he's got knives all over him. he's he clearly lo- loves his knives he gives them all names they're his knife wives and then i came from the other end of the call his knifeus i said <laughs> shit that was in my mind too <laughs> so, yes so uh. Victor McKnifey uh, got his comeuppance shortly thereafter, but he may be back, him and his many knifeus. I, I have always enjoyed the return appearance of NPCs that the characters hate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and making a, a, a making a someone that the PCs... No, intentionally making someone, an NPC that PCs can loathe, such a good feeling. It's when you... Mm. It's when the, the most annoying one is you accidentally make... And NPCs, the NPCs love and want to have around. It's like, oh, what did I do? Yeah. Oh God, they've tried to adopt it. <laughs> Mostly because it's just confusing. <laughs> I think my my personal favourite for that was a fairly a fairly underwhelming vampire in a Buffy the Vampire Slayer game, who I think the party dubbed Indie Mick Emo Pants, who nonetheless. Managed to negotiate his own survival and just ran the hell away. And the response from one of the players was, shit, we let an actual smart one get away. That's going to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well, cool. So, yes, my my, my tale was more of a story of, oh, no, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Someone else says it. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We were all thinking it. (laughs) <laughs> yes quite okay quite disturbing so, so all right so those are our wacky ideas for flip the mythos fortunately we have much less degrading content um f- as supplied by our listeners <laughs> ew <laughs> all right so we have the these are both for uh, telepathic murder ghosts coming out of the trees john writes on the subject hearing about the christmas tree farm idea I think you guys missed out on a different take on Big Paulie's foresightedness. He didn't plant firs or spruce, 
No, he wanted something that could make more money in the warmer months. Big Paulie didn't plant no evergreens, he planted an apple orchard. Hmm? It's not a big problem, as there's very little of the dead schmo's essence on one or two apples, and since they're in the orchard long enough, they get bored and head back to their body. The trees were planted over the period of eight years before Big Paulie came down with a severe case of lead poisoning. (laughs) He was the last batch of fertilizer for the orchard. The new boss, little Tony, decided not to pursue the fertilizer business and sold off the orchard to an unsuspecting couple, Emily and Alex Johnson, who began harvesting the first crop of eternal beauties. Yep, whatever Paulie had planted, it was changed by his choice of fertilizer. A new cultivar, the eternal beauty. Big, red, Juicy but firm apples with a colour pattern that looked a bit like a face. Nah. Single here in small batches, the apples weren't a problem to whoever bought them. They seemed to last forever and not go bad like other apples. They seemed to be eternal. Well, attempts to graft cuttings from the Johnson's trees always failed to produce new eternal beauties. It seemed that only in their orchard would the apples grow. Then they were approached by a local hard cider producer. As a side note, uh, cider in America is spiced apple juice with no alcohol. Hard cider, however. (laughs) This is a fact that makes watching My Little Pony overseas hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow, this horse has a drinking problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, wait, we're good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. My Little Pony got dark. So this had two side effects. One, it made a cider that was incredibly intoxicating, despite being only 13% alcohol by volume. (coughs) Two, it provided means for the fertilizer to seek revenge on Big Paulie's family. It took the spirits a couple of tries before they figured out how to concentrate their essence in one or two bottles. That was enough for them to take over the imbibers and, well, make a karmic payment. You drink the eternal cider, black out, and then wake up with blood all over you, standing over the body of four fingers Felipe and not knowing what the hell happened. Ah, homicidal cider. <sighs> now this haunting has a built-in time limit. As long as there are folks to seek revenge, the spirits buried in the farm will continue to seek revenge. Not every bottle will get you possessed, just <laughs> one in twenty, and not every person involved will find themselves standing over a body, especially if they have some form of ranged weaponry. You must drain the bottle, all 750 mil, to get possessed. No worries on that, it's actually quite drinkable. And once somebody links the apples to the murders, as soon as one of the older trees is dug up, cue the living trees from the Wizard of Oz, the jig is up, and soon all the dead will be put to rest properly. There are other solutions, of course. Have a Catholic priest bless the orchard and might put those spirits to rest, but it would have to be tree by tree or with a crop duster loaded with holy water. The number of role-playing solutions involve vast volumes of holy water is a bit suspicious. I don't think that's been sort of empirically tested. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, it's probably never really come up with sort of how, what, what volume of holy water can a priest of a particular level <laughs> create? I genuinely don't know. I'm going to assume it's in one of the um, the manuals out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I never actually ran into the... Uh, the actual priest who was blessing stuff at Gen Con uh, at one point. Oh, wow. He he had a sign saying, this isn't cosplay, I'm actually a priest. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of made that cosplay. Maybe Interesting. a little. Maybe a little. Maybe just on the fringes. But he was blessing dice. Yeah. I, I, I follow him on Facebook. He's quite entertaining. I'm glad. That's, that's fascinating in, in a number of ways. <laughs> 
I am liking the extremely evil cider approach. Yes. Though, admittedly, with the whole thing of you drink the bottle and then you wake up covered in blood standing over a dead body, it's like, oh, buck fast. Yeah, yeah well, like, 750 mils of 13%. Like, that might just happen anyway. I mean, that's that's a <laughs> fistful of standard drinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why a, a quite large bottle of wine. That's that's getting up there. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's not nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> it depends on your 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 reaction to alcohol, of course. But it may mm. just be you you slump in a corner and drool instead. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, it's that's an interesting one. That's certainly a um, a mystery plot to untangle, and it sounds like that would be uh, it would be an interesting thing to track back. So. Cool. Yeah, it would be it would be entertaining. I guess one of the questions, and I suspect it's one of the ones where there isn't the right answer, is who are the players? Because mm. like you could have a lot of fun with them being hilariously out of their depth mobsters. If you wanted to go with the the slight farce that you know, these guys are good at racketeering, they're good at extortion, they're good at crime. They're not actually that great at investigation. And supernatural stuff. Yes, and the fact they're suddenly being assailed with waves of slightly tipsy assassins. Mm. And I'm going, wait a second. Yeah, you know, they, somebody says something unaccountable and they're going, wait a minute. What What do you mean this is, you know, I know what you did or this is for Big Paulie or, no, not for Big Paulie or Ed, for what Big Paulie did. Yeah. And you could have, if you could, if you could set it up, it would be hilarious to try to have a an ill-matched and deeply fractured crew of one or two mobsters, possibly one or two people on the police force. You sort of your 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 Fox Mulder, um, Murphy from Dresden Files, that kind of thing. Hmm. Possibly people in the social work area who has noticed the sudden uptick in horrifying murders committed by cider drinkers while they're blacked out. Yes. Because that's got to be an, an unusual stat to be have to keep it. Um, <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's like, oh, yeah. I haven't had to use that box in a while. <laughs> Tick. Yeah, Why is that even on the form? Eh, it seemed like it might come up. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it would be... There might be the the plucky mystery investigating youths in a van thing as well. Though it's a bit dark for Scooby-Doo, but... Yeah, I mean, it would it would work... It could be made to work for a kids-on-bikes thing, which I think is where my original mm, yep. Christmas tree farm thing came from. But yeah, it, given the very strong lines you can draw between this plot and binge drinking and alcohol-induced violence, it may not necessarily be the place you want to go for a kids on bikes game. Hmm. Uh, just throwing that one out there. Yeah. General supernatural mystery in the neighborhood mm. kind of thing. So, yeah, interesting. Thank you, John. That was pretty cool. Like, to be fair, it could probably make a fairly fairly solid Dresden Files game, to be honest. Yeah, actually, that, that is, does feel urban fantasy. Hmm. With a slightly dark. Hmm. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. So, Taz also had an idea for telepathic murder ghosts. Okay, playing off the hostile planet idea, the players are members of an alien race that are telepathically linked to a planetary root network. Let's call them triads. 
When invading humans get within proximity to the root network, dryads can hack their primitive nervous systems. Sure, they can seriously mess with, aka kill, individual humans this way, but it only gets the ones that are outside of the perimeter of their scorched earth base camps. Instead, the challenge is to haunt the humans, place pre-programmed suggestions to hopefully cause further mayhem within the base camp itself. So, it's a little bit of murder, seduction, subversion, with meaty chunks of psyops and a mystery or three. What do the humans want? How does their technology work? How, what will convince them to stop? The war evolves as both sides learn and come up with new ways to understand each other and probably inflict harm. Would this be an Avatar clone? Maybe. But you could also play this game out in many different ways by changing the starting race, race's capabilities, the humans' goals, tech, etc. Yeah, that's kind of icky and subversive, but yeah, it's uh, playing the... Um, the the colonized resistors it's kind of interesting that's a, mm. an angle to go there and it puts me in mind oddly enough of i forget the author but it was the death world series of books that's harry harrison was it ah, yeah yeah, yeah. Harry. i always ment- mentally classified them as going from bruce willis world to um john claude van damme world to stallone world as they got more hard <laughs> hardcore but yes yeah yes the yeah well the first one in particular where you've got a a planet where just all of the wildlife and all of the foliage is trying to kill you yeah and i believe it turned out to be psychically something or other mm. but that that sort of came to mind but that's that is quite actually a fun one of playing the telepathic murder ghosts as it were mm-hmm. and yes enticing people to come out of their camp stroll mm. through the forest it'll be fun <laughs> yes that's a that's a bit of a dark one though it is definitely you're definitely playing the insurgents corrupting and co-opting your uh, your adversaries and making their lives miserable but maybe I mean, you could play at a slightly lighter edge of, all right, these goons are clearly a big problem, but if we, if we figure out what they want, maybe we can defuse this this, this situation because they're clearly their response to being startled is energy weapons, fire, and um, assaulting the, the ground with radioactive isotopes. We don't want to provoke that, mm. so we want to get a, get know them a little bit better and maybe maybe try and start dialogue rather than. Even if we win, it will probably be a shit fight. Yeah, sort of figure figure out what they want. Possibly with the whole, you know, the true victory is convincing your enemy they were wrong to oppose you in the first place. Yeah. Kind of approach. Maybe the best way to destroy your enemy is to make them your friend. It's a slightly more mm. way of saying it, but yes, yes, that does work. I do remember a, a science fiction short story I met, read years ago, which kind of had this going on, that you had... Colonists who landed on landed on the planet, uh, yeah, landed on the the alien planet, and they started to notice that things things were a bit weird, and that the wildlife was changing in response to what they were doing. And so, as sort of timeline progressed, this planet that had yeah just didn't have anything in the vermin line suddenly had rats that were attacking the food stores. And they sort of got into this, got into this war of technology versus what the hell is the planet going to do now? Mm. Of okay, we we came up with sort of these robotic cat things to deal with the rats, but 
then eventually it came up with something else and then something else and um it sort of eventually gets to the point of you know it's come up with something that just seems to be able to walk right through their security right past the guard dogs they eventually figure out how to corner it and it turns out basically that the planet has built a person hmm. that just made friends with the dogs and there's sort of somebody saying okay well this we can deal with i mean we can come up with systems to deal with this and somebody else saying yeah but do we really want to face whatever it comes up with after this? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the race appears to be escalating, and we are not sure what the next point of the <laughs> yeah, graph sort of, looks like. Yeah. It's come up with something that can make friends with a dog, which means maybe we can make friends with it. This seems like a good place. Um, yeah, <laughs> if we're going to stop the, the arms race at this point, this is probably the place to stop it. Yeah, that yeah. no, makes sense. Yeah, there's a bit from Halo Jones where... Um, the protagonist is at a loose end uh, after being demobbed and was working in a forestry th- a forestry thing on a planet where the trees evolved faces and the ability to scream. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Interesting defense mechanism. It's it's evolved sort of just, you know, shaping the 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 the, the trunks and um, branches to capture air as, as the wind blows past it. But still, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a slightly slightly more limited way of doing it. So it seems like mm. it, it had a negative effect on the work life balance there. All right, mm. no, those are those are some excellent ideas. So, and that's that's probably all we've got time for this this time. Which leaves us with the onerous task of reporting on the poll for the next episode. Mm-hmm. We asked, we we put out the call and. You responded to a man, or looking at the numbers, nine of them. That's a bunch of clicks. That's a bunch of clicks. And yes, the the winner, with a healthy five votes, was newcomer, the Maltese Falcon Gun, a famous weapon once owned by the King of the Popes. I believe we owe that one to Kev, or more accurately, to a student of Kev's, who really didn't understand the movie The Maltese Falcon, though there is the exciting possibility that there is some sort of anime loosely based on The Maltese Falcon, and they watched that instead. I'm hoping it's the latter. Because that ooh. sounds hilarious. You've just given me a thought of a business plan. It's like the like Spark Notes or Cliff Notes, except you saturate the internet with fake versions of various things studied at school and universities, and a login to a, a site which marks which ones are incorrect. Wow. <laughs> Calm down there, Satan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, yep, that would be hilarious. But also, yeah, valid, I mean, it's the, that uh, sounds like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, they they're just so good at media studies that they've read things into the intention, the author's intentions that not even people having years of study have managed. Maybe maybe they're just that amazing. That is the other possibility. Slim, slim possibility. So slim. Yeah. Cool. So that having been set up, we have the options for the poll this time, which include malevolent immediacy. Perennial favourite, Power Drift. X kills Y. And exciting newcomer, Superpowers or Your Money Back. 100% guarantee. 
Good ad read. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. So, there you go. Vote early. Vote often. Indeed, indeed. And with that, it sounds like we have successfully flipped off the mythos. Um, <laughs> I did desperately try to come up with a way of wrapping a game around that, and I, I just had nothing. I mean, all I basically got is somebody standing there, flipping the bird to Great Cthulhu, who then stands on them. That's <laughs> all I had. That's barely a one-panel cartoon. Or a good t-shirt, depending. Yeah. It's a bit Bambi versus Godzilla, but yeah. yeah. So Sometimes brevity is the soul of wit. In the interest of brevity... Thank you for listening, audience. We'll talk again next time. Have a good night. Indeed. Good night, all. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.